Hello! So glad you've joined us today. Hey, my name's Ethan. work with the Venice Church of Christ. We're disciples making disciples on the west side of Los Angeles. It is written in the book of Judges, chapter 5, and in verse 7. The villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose a mother in Israel. Likewise, in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 20, and in verse 19, we read, I am one of those who are peaceable and faithful in Israel. You seek to destroy a city that is a mother in Israel. Why will you swallow up the heritage of Yahweh? Now, the role of mothers in development and growth of young people is very well known. We all had mothers. That's how we all got here. Um, just stay within our mothers. And uh, generally are sustained by the milk of the mother at the beginning of life. And generally, although not always, mothers continue to sustain and nourish children and help to raise them up. And for that reason, motherhood has kind of had the connotation of tender care, unconditional love, sustenance, and encouragement in every generation. Now, when we're in Judges chapter 5 and verse 7, that's part of the Song of Deborah, who is the wife of Lapidoth. She is herself likely a mother of children. But when she talks about being a mother in Israel, she's talking about what happened in, in contrast to what happened before. So a little bit earlier in the verse before, in the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned and travelers kept to the byways. The villagers ceased in Israel. The idea there is it's a time of civil distress and upheaval. Not kind things to say about that time. You can't travel because there's robbers on the road. There's no real authority present to maintain any kind of civil order. And so she rises up as a mother in Israel. And in mother in Israel, she's doing the kind of thing that we read in the previous chapter, in chapter 4. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. So her role as a mother in Israel is as a ruler who sustained and nourished Israel and facilitated Israel's growth and prosperity. Now we read in 2 Samuel chapter 20 in verse 19, uh, that is part of a story about a city called Abel in Beth Maka. Now, why are we talking about that city? Well, this is during the time of David. David's gone through a lot of trouble recently. In fact, his son Absalom had revolted against him and taken most of the kingdom with him. That revolt was successfully quelled. But we read in chapter 20 and verse 1 that there was a worthless man, son of Belial in Hebrew. His name is Sheb Sheba, the son of Bichri. He's a Benjaminite, probably. Uh, that's probably to indicate again, that thinking more about the line of Saul and thinking that that's where the rule should be in Benjamin. And so he said, We have no portion in David. We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tents, O Israel. And all the men of Israel withdrew from David and followed Sheba, the son of Bichri. But the men of Judah followed uh, David steadfastly. And so we're told that various things have taken place. Uh, and then in verse 14, Sheba passed through all the tribes of Israel to Abel of Beth Makkah. And all the Bichrites assembled and followed him in. And all the men who were with Joab, who is David's general again, uh, came and besieged him in Abel of Beth Makkah. They cast up a mound around the city, and it stood against the rampart, and they were battering the wall to throw it down. 
Then a wise woman called from the city, Listen, listen, tell Joab, come here, that I may speak to you. And he came near, and the woman said, Are you Joab? And he answered, I am. Then he, she said to him, Listen to the words of your servant. And he answered, I am listening. Then he, she said, They used to say in former times, Let them but ask counsel at Abel. And so they settled the matter. I am one of those who are peaceable and faithful in Israel. Why uh, you seek to destroy a city that is a mother in Israel? Why will you swallow up the heritage of Yahweh? We just read from that passage. So it's this wise woman. We don't know anything else about her. She lives in Abel, and she's attesting to Abel's place as a city of some size or merit in in Israel, as a place that wisdom was known to be there, and people would go and tattle difficult differences there. And so the city is seen as a mother. And Joab, of course, will respond. He only came for Sheba. And it's interesting uh, that she says, um, Behold, his head will be thrown to you over the wall. Then the woman went to all the people in her wisdom, and they cut off the head of Sheba, the son of Bichri, and threw it out to Joab. He blew the trumpet, and they dispersed from the city every man to his home, and Joab returned to Jerusalem to the king. And that ended what we read in Second Samuel as the last real threat to the reign of David. And so, the again, the, to notice there in the story, though, this emphasis that Abel as a city is seen as a mother in Israel. Therefore, it somehow nourishes and sustains Israel in some way. So what are we to make of this idea of a mother in Israel? Deborah, as we saw, was a mother in Israel. She provided sustenance in her administration. And she would prove to be the rarity. There's the rare positive ruler in Israel. Yes, in 2 Kings 11, excuse me, there's Athaliah, who was queen for a while. But uh, she had killed most of the descendants of, of uh, David's line. Uh, and was not seen very positively as a uh, part of the house of Ahab. And uh, there's no other model, therefore, of a compelling female ruler as a mother in Israel. Now, Job, in Job 29 and verse 16, will speak of himself as a father to those who are in need. Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, that Yahweh would elevate as the royal steward of Hezekiah, would be as a father to Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem in Isaiah 22, 21. But when you look at father in Israel, that tends to be Yahweh. And the son, a king, is his adopted son of sorts. In First Chronicles twenty-two ten, Psalm two, Isaiah sixty-three sixteen, Jeremiah thirty-one nine, and things of that sort. So the the mother-father injury in terms of actual individuals is not as strong. But the idea that Abel and Bethmaka as a town would be a mother in Israel is actually not entirely unique. Uh, in fact. Isaiah and Ezekiel will speak of Jerusalem through maternal imagery, as if she is the mother of the Israelites who live there. This is something that will come out as uh, explicitly in Isaiah chapter 50. In Isaiah 50, uh, the prophet Isaiah is asked, Where is your mother's certificate of divorce with which I sent her away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Behold, for your iniquities you were sold, and for your transgressions your mother was sent away. Who who would be the mother there? Well, uh, Yahweh has put away the mother of the Israelite audience for adultery. Um, The actual Israelites are also being cast off here, but the mother here is Jerusalem that is destroyed for its idolatry. Now, Ezekiel 19, Ezekiel will speak of the mother, a lioness of the princes of Israel. And he means by it Israel in general, Judah in particular, especially Jerusalem. We can see that in Ezekiel 16 and verse 45 
as well. In Isaiah 54, there's this very powerful passage. Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who was married, says Yahweh. Enlarge the place of your tent, and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities." Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth, and the reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more. For your Maker is your husband, Yahweh of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. For Yahweh has called you like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth when she is cast off, says your God. For a brief moment I deserted you, but with great compassion I will gather you in overflowing anger for a moment I hid my face from you but with everlasting love I will have compassion on you says Yahweh your Redeemer this is like the days of Noah to me as I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over the land so I have sworn that I will not be angry with you and will not rebuke you for the mountains may depart and the hills be removed but my steadfast love will not depart from you and my covenant of peace will not be removed says Yahweh who has compassion on you O afflicted one storm tossed and comforted behold I will set your stones in antimony and layers foundations with sapphires I will make your pinnacles of agate your gates of carbuncles and all your wall of precious stones all your children shall be taught by Yahweh, and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you will be established, you will be far from oppression, for you will not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. If anyone stirs up strife, it is not from me. Whoever stirs up strife with you shall fall because of you. For behold, I have created the smith who blows a fire of coals and produces a weapon for its purpose. I have also created the ravager to destroy. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed, and you shall confute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of Yahweh, and their vindication for me, declares Yahweh. So who's the barren one? The barren one is Jerusalem. It's the city. It's the city. He had said previously in chapter 49, beginning in verse 13, Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For Yahweh has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. But Zion said, Yahweh has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Your builders make haste. Your destroyers and those who laid your waste go out from you. Lift your eyes around and see. They all gather. They come to you. As I live, declares Yahweh, you shall put them on as an ornament. You shall bind them on as a bride does. Surely your waste and your desolate places and your devastated land. Surely now you will be too narrow for your inhabitants, and those who swallowed you up will be far away. The children of your bereavement will yet say in your ears, This place is too narrow for me. Make room for me to dwell in. Then you will say in your heart, Who has borne me these? I was bereaved and barren, exiled and put away. But who has brought up these? Behold, I was left alone. From where have these come? 
Thus says the Lord Yahweh, Behold, I will lift up my hand to the nations and raise my signal to the people. They shall bring your sons in their bosom, and your daughters shall be carried on their shoulders. Kings shall be your foster fathers, and your, their queens your nursing mothers. With their faces to the ground, they will bow down to you and lick the dust of your feet. Then you will know that I am Yahweh. Those who wait for me shall not be put to shame. So there, there's this tender image of, of even if a nursing mother forgets her baby, I will not forget you, or... Yahweh himself uses a maternal image to describe his, his relationship with, with, with not even his Israel, but the t Zion, Jerusalem itself. And, and you get this beautiful picture where the town has been devastated. There's nothing there. And yet they say, we, we need to expand. We need more land. There's not enough room for all of us. It's too narrow. And it's this beautiful picture of a woman th who thought she was bereaved of children. Now all of these children are back because the children of, of Judah have an exile, but they come back and they swell the city. And that's what's going on in Isaiah 54. The, the singing of the one who is barren now has more children than the one who has than the one who has many. It's talking about the city. It's talking about all of the children that are going to come back to it. And he continues in the same theme in Isaiah chapter 66, beginning in verse 7. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came upon her, she delivered a son. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such a thing? Shall a land be born in one day? Shall a nation be brought forth in one moment? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she brought forth her children. Shall I bring to the point of birth and not cause to bring forth, says Yahweh? Shall I, who cause to bring forth, shut the womb, says your God? Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice with her in joy, all you who mourn over her, that you may nurse and be satisfied from her consoling breast, that you may drink deeply with delight from her glorious abundance. For thus says Yahweh, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. And you shall nurse, you shall be carried upon her hip, and bounced upon her knees, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. You shall see, and your heart shall rejoice, your bones shall flourish like the grass. The hand of Yahweh shall be known to his servants, and he shall show his indignation against his enemies. So there, the idea of nursing mother, that you will nurse at her breast, but it's talking about the town. It's talking about the city of Zion and Jerusalem. Again, the idea that, yes, uh, there's a very powerful maternal imagery there, um, but, but this is also a very valid way of looking at the town itself. This is also something seen in Jeremiah 2 and verse 30, chapter 5 and verse 7, and Joel 2.23. So it's not even just Isaiah and Ezekiel. And in contrast, in Isaiah 47, 8 and 9, Babylon is seen as an overweening and presumptuous queen, thinking she will not know widowhood, but her widowhood will come upon her quickly in judgment. Now all these things, there's no disparagement of the role of women serving as mothers in the home. There's, they can spend a lot of time talking about the value and power of mothers in the home. But when it comes to a mother in Israel, surprisingly perhaps, this illustration is talking about the administration of Deborah to an extent, but really it's about cities and towns primarily. How can it be that a city or a town can be a mother? 
Well, first of all, you need to recognize that uh, languages that mark nouns for gender, you know, in English, we sometimes do that, but not really. The cities and towns tend to be female. To this day, we tend to speak of a city or town as a she if we're going to personalize it. And we ascribe maternal imagery to the kind of places we're born and raised. Or, we talk about Mother Nature for a reason. Uh, we kind of give that same idea there. And if we return to that maternal imagery, we can understand why. What do we get from our mothers? Nourishment, sustenance, development, perhaps even instruction. Uh, well, sure, uh, roads and structures and infrastructure aren't really what's in view, but the community of people who comprise the town or the city. And that's how cities and towns are mothers in Israel. Some towns have specific prestige because of the type of people whom they've cultivated, developed, and sent out, like maybe Abel of Beth Maka. But towns and cities in general can be seen as having children. The people who were born there grew up there and developed there, like Jerusalem. And so cities or towns as mothers in Israel, therefore, speaks to the power of community in the sustenance, nourishment, development, and instruction of its members. So that's great and wonderful. It's all in the Old Covenant. Now, in the New Covenant between God and all mankind and Jesus, can we find a comparable mother figure? Well, for a lot of people, especially in Roman Catholicism, it's Mary, the Lord's mother. And um, lauded in, in that particular uh, institution as mediatrix, even the mother of the church. But we look in the scriptures, she is praised as the mother of the Lord. She's not reckoned the mother of the church or the people of God in general. Interestingly, in Revelation chapter 12, uh, the people of God, the ones who give birth to Jesus, who then ascends, and then the mother is again in, in tribulation. So it's kind of an em embodiment of the people of God beginning the Christ child there in Revelation 12. In Christ, mothers according to the flesh are highly commended for their role. Uh, parent, children are supposed to obey them in Ephesians 6. Second uh, Timothy 1 and verse 5, Paul speaks well of the work of Lois and Eunice in the life of Timothy, his mother and grandmother. And in Titus 2, 3 through 5, instructions given to women, older women about how they can instruct um, younger women uh, in the faith, especially in terms of loving their children, things of that sort. In Romans 16 and verse 13, Paul asked the Christians there to greet not only Rufus, but his mother and mine. It's possible that Rufus is Paul's brother in the flesh, but it's more likely that Paul recognizes Rufus's mother as a spiritual mother figure of sorts. And in this way, we do well to commend those women in our lives who have taken care to sustain, nourish, and even instruct us as spiritual mother figures. Uh, they do a lot of great work in the kingdom, and those type of women should be lauded. What's interesting, if we look in Galatians, though, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 26, and this isn't an allegory. Uh, Paul has done an extended allegory looking at Mount Sinai versus Mount Zion. Mount Sinai uh, and the, the slave child Ishmael, uh, and then there's a free child uh, Isaac, uh, so to speak. And the reason Ishmael's slave child is because his mother Hagar was the slave. And so the whole idea there is that there's this bondage under the law, and that's representing Hagar. Ishmael uh, here, Sinai, but we are children of the free woman, Sarah, Isaac, child of promise, representing Jerusalem. And he says in verse 26, But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. That sounds familiar. It is. Paul will immediately quote Isaiah 54, 1 and Galatians 4, 27. 
referencing the Jerusalem above who is our mother. So to Paul, the ultimate fulfillment there of Isaiah's declaration about Jerusalem as the barren woman who bore many children is the ingathering of the Gentiles as part of the people of God in the church. And in fact, throughout the New Testament, Jerusalem's Zion imagery from the Old Testament is understood in terms of the church. We see this here in Galatians 4. In Hebrews 12, verse 22, the Hebrews author is making a very similar parallel where uh, we've not come to a mountain that can be touched, i.e. Sinai, but to the the Mount Zion, the city of the living God, heavenly Jerusalem, um, is where we've come to in Hebrews 12 and verse 22. In Revelation 14 and verse 1, the Lamb is on Mount Zion, which is surrounded by the people of God. In Revelation 3, 12 and 21 too, Jesus testifies to the new Jerusalem, and John sees it in a vision, coming down out of heaven from God as a bride adorned for her husband, And in Revelation 21, 9 and 10, when the angel wishes to show John the bride, the wife of the Lamb, he shows him the new Jerusalem. In Ephesians 5, who is the bride of the Lamb, Jesus? Well, it's the church. That as uh, the wife submits her husband to everything, thus the church submits all things to the Lord. There's, there's a very powerful parallel there. So the apostles are very deliberately perpetuating the association of Jerusalem as a mother in Israel. In Christ, New Jerusalem is a mother in Israel. It's the community of the people of God, the church, as sustaining, nourishing, and instructing its members. And we do well to understand the church as the community of God's people as a so-called mother in Israel. So in Ephesians 2, 18-22, all members... All Christians, excuse me, are as members of the household of God. They all have access to the Father and the Spirit. And they all are as brothers and sisters in Christ. In Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, we have the image of the church as a body. And that speaks to the role of members encouraging one another, rejoicing with one another, weeping with one another if necessary. And that's how they strengthen one another through life. And we can never do better than Ephesians 4, 11-16 about how the church is to function. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So you see there that the roles in the church equip saints for the work of ministry. The body works to build itself up in love. It's reinforced in doctrine with the growth of its members nourished in its midst. And that way we can kind of think of specific local congregations kind of like specific little towns in, in Israel like Abel of Beth Maka. That congregations which nourish and send out faithful, strong Christians are a mother in Israel. It would be a good standard to which we could aspire. So, that's kind of the idea behind a mother in Israel. Yeah, Deborah was a mother in Israel in Judges 5-7. She provided leadership and sustenance. Abel of Beth Maka in 2 Samuel 2019 is a mother in Israel. And Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Joel will speak of Jerusalem or Zion as the mother of its inhabitants. And as the physical Jerusalem was a mother of its physical inhabitants, so the ultimate fulfillment of all the promises made about Jerusalem are manifest in Christ and the new Jerusalem, his bride, the church. In Galatians 4, 26 and 27. 
So we do probably, hopefully, have individual women who prove to be spiritual mothers in our lives, like Rufus's mother was for Paul in Romans 16, 13. We should be thankful for them. But we also are to see the church, the community of the people of God, in its own way as a mother. We could speak of any individual congregation as a mother in Israel, if it nourishes, sustains, and strengthens the people of God in its midst. Now, in a highly individualistic world and culture, we do well to affirm the need for this community, this group that can provide that support, that strength, its nourishment, and its sustenance, because indeed, it does take a village. And so may we prove thankful for the mothers that have brought us this far, and may we strive to encourage one another so that our local congregations can be seen as mothers in Israel. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you've been benefited by this, please. Share it with friends, family, and others on social media. We'd certainly appreciate it. Uh, if you'd like to talk more about spiritual things, if you've got some Bible questions, uh, maybe have prayer requests. If there's any way we can be of service to help encourage you, please check us out online at benefitchurchofchrist.org. Or also you can find us on social media. If I can be of any service, please contact me through my website, deverbovitae.com. That's www.deverbovitae.com. Again, thank you. Have a great day.